Chris Palmer here in San Antonio, more specifically the Alamo Dome, which this month celebrates its 30th anniversary. We're going to be talking to various individuals that had a hand in making the Alamo Dome a reality. There were a lot of struggles along the way, but before we talk about the present, let's talk about the past and how an idea for a multi-purpose dome facility became a reality. There are two men in this city who appear ready to change this. Mayor Henry Cisneros and Sigmore Corporation President Tom Turner Sr. Tom Turner took a gas station and made it a billion dollar corporation. He's a businessman who would like to see Major League Sports come to San Antonio, but he admits it won't be easy. You've got to have the stadium damn near, a commitment for a stadium before you go out and try to get a team. Mayor Henry Cisneros visited with baseball commissioner Bowie Kuhn and NFL executive director Don Weiss. He wanted them to know that San Antonio is interested in major league sports. A local sports writer downplayed the trip, said it would be 15, 20, 25 years before we'd get a stadium. And he wrote, not only is a stadium off in Never Never Land, but San Antonio cannot support a major league baseball franchise that calls for 80 home games. Nothing ever develops when people make fun of those who try. For years, San Antonio sports enthusiasts have been talking about a stadium. Not just football, not just baseball, but a multi-purpose stadium. Newswatch follow-through has learned of three proposed sites for a multi-purpose stadium to be built in San Antonio. We're up in a helicopter ready to show you aerial views of the three proposed sites. Proposed site number one, it is east of the Joe and Harry Freeman Coliseum and west of the Interstate 10 that you see there. The Alamo Cement Plant, just north of Trinity University. This is a company that is moving, and the land is prime for a major stadium. Site number three, Breckenridge Park Polo Field. City-owned land, centrally located off McAllister Freeway. Now across the freeway, you have Alamo Stadium. And Mayor Cisneros tells us that he has considered an alternative plan which would involve Alamo Stadium. I've asked uh, Mr. H.B. Zachary to do a private, uh, at his expense, uh, quick analysis of whether or not there's any possibility that we could be doing some double decking on Alamo Stadium as it exists today. Two very important people, the mayor of our city and a man who has vested interest in sports, want to see it happen within 10 years. All I can tell you is it's not going to happen if people don't believe it can happen. First, you've got to believe. You know, First, you've got to have the faith that it's possible to do and then work real, real hard at it. It's not going to happen with everybody saying, well, it can't happen, therefore I'm not going to exert any effort. It can't happen, therefore there's no sense in my spending any time on it. Guaranteed it won't happen if people take that attitude. Well, discussions about San Antonio's proposed domed stadium continued last night. City officials held a workshop at the convention center to discuss the framework of the proposal. It has been a shootout from the start, one of the toughest political showdowns San Antonio has ever seen. The duel over the dome, a verbal gunfight that has many voters wondering which side is wearing the black hats. Some have been searching for help from above. 
It's a holy war. It's the forces of right versus wrong. Others have been more down to earth. The people behind the door, they read like who's who from the north side of the city of San Antonio. And tonight, the showdown continues with a verbal shootout between Mayor Henry Cisneros and Councilwoman Helen Dutmer. Tonight, we are going to examine one of the most important and most complex issues ever to face San Antonio voters. Whether to add a half cent to the city's sales tax to finance the construction of a stadium. The relative cost advantage of using the sales tax is such that because over five years, the stadium is paid out completely, pay-as-you-go financing, it costs $174 million against any other approach that would require 435. And in the middle of all the madness came a musical message sending everyone over the edge. It started as a vision to brighten San Antonio's future. The transformation from the drawing board to reality is complete. Already, the Alamo Dome has weathered public criticism, rainstorms that delayed construction, and now it's ready to welcome the public. Good evening, I'm Bob Salter. And I'm Karen Gallagher, live from the Alamo Dome. Thanks for joining us this evening. In just 17 hours, thousands of people will pack the dome for the great grand opening tomorrow. Everything is far from ready, though. Workers are working around the clock, installing lights, laying bricks, fixing walkways, sweeping, and landscaping. That's just at the dome itself. The Via Bus Terminal is also undergoing final touches. The actual celebration tomorrow will take quite a bit of work to pull off. It'll feature a bit of everything. There will be ice skaters, gymnasts, basketball players, and hockey players all doing demonstrations. Then there are the singers, the bands, laser shows, fireworks, hot air balloons, even a scheduled flyover of the dome by a squadron of jets, Bob. Eyewitness News, San Antonio's top-rated satellite newscast. Ten years and $186 million after it was proposed, the Alamo Dome is opening up to the residents of San Antonio and South Texas. Tomorrow, thousands will be heading downtown for a look at what many call the dome that Henry built. Good evening, I'm Fred Lozano. And I'm Deborah Naponia. The Alamo Dome's grand opening is now just a little over 14 hours away. 
And, you know, a lot of people say it's Henry's Hacienda, and I guess you can call it that. When San Antonio taxpayers agreed to build the Alamo Dome, it was with the hope and expectation it would draw some of the biggest sporting events in the world. Today, those dreams came true when it was announced that San Antonio would be the host of the 1998 Final Four in college basketball. Well, it's everything I expected as I walked up right now this uh, entranceway and uh, looked up to see the scale of it. It's, a, it's just a beautiful thing to see completed. I, I think uh, the city is going to use it for many, many years. The Dome was about assuring San Antonio's place as a competitor for professional sports because that's an element in America of how you recognize a city. Its scale, its prosperity, uh, its significance on the national scene. The 1999 NBA Finals. Tonight, Game 2, the New York Knicks versus the San Antonio Spurs. Another crowd in the vicinity of 40,000 has gathered at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, knowing this might be the last time they'll see their beloved Spurs this year. In each of their first three playoff victories, they closed their opponent out on the road. That dome uh, has also was home to the Spurs' first championship, and then to the Alamo Bowl. Tonight in the Alamo City of San Antonio, it's out with the old year and in with the new at the state-of-the-art Alamo Dome. And tonight the city of San Antonio plays host to a bowl game for the first time since 1947. It's the first Builders Square Alamo Bowl. A crowd of more than 50,000 is expected to watch California take on Iowa. And then to UTSA's Division I program, and to, to numerous Final Fours. We are deep in the heart of Texas where everything is big, including the dreams. And tonight, under the roof of San Antonio's Alamo Dome, either Utah or Kentucky will realize college basketball's biggest dream, the national championship. Here inside the dome, the colors are Utah red and Kentucky blue. Great cities are places where people live and work and pray and learn and assemble. Part of the function of a city is to create the physical venues, the space, where human beings can gather. It's hard to believe how quickly 30 years have come and gone. And as I walk through the grounds of the Alamo Dome, getting video footage for this podcast, I can't help but think about that hot day in May of 1993 when I came down to the opening ceremonies. I had my VHSC camcorder and captured some of the sights and sounds of that great day. The excitement leading up to the Alamo Dome, and it was great because we got to see it built. Every time you came downtown, you'd see it was bigger and bigger and bigger. And you kind of get the idea of what it was going to be like. So when I was asked to be the master of ceremonies, uh, it was really, I mean, I was so, so thrilled to be a part of this incredible, uh, really something that added to the landscape of our city. You see any picture of San Antonio and you're gonna see the Alamo Dome right there. I think I wore a white tuxedo. 
and with tails. <laughs> and as I walked in, because it was a free event, the entire city was there, it was unbelievable. The, the noise, the, the, uh, the joy, and all the things that were going on, it was fantastic for, for anyone who was there for that experience. Maury Vasquez, Eyewitness News. Brand new here in uh, San Antonio with Ken's Five, and uh, so the the first event that that took place, uh, if I remember correctly, was the uh, what, what did we call it? The U.S. Olympic Festival, the massive East West North South, you know, Olympic type uh, atmosphere throughout. In fact, we uh, we had a little media fencing competition. Myself, Don Harris, Greg Simmons, uh, a gentleman from uh, Univision at the time. And uh, so a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And, and but that was the first time that I walked into this place and you go like, you know, you you look up and, you know, I felt like the kids from Hoosiers, like, OK, this thing is big. How's it going to look for basketball? You know, when we're thinking I had one year in the arena, in the Hemisphere Arena covering uh, the Spurs and but then just trying to picture it in this massive barn, you know, it was uh, it was an eye opener. The way the Alamo Dome is designed is in part because of budget concerns. San Antonio had a limited budget to build this stadium, and a way to save a lot of money was to have the roof suspended by cables and four 300-foot pillars on each corner. Even though $100 million was a lot of money to spend on a dome stadium in the early 1990s, it was still cheaper than other stadiums around the country that had recently been constructed. It was built the way it is because we wanted a building that had no columns inside. So the four pillars you see on the outside are like a suspension bridge and the roof hangs from those. So on the inside, there are no impediments to sight lines. You know, when I think back at some of the early models that we did in sketches and computer uh, projections of what it would look like, you know, we're, we're right on target. It turned out just, just like we thought it would. I believe it is safe to say that San Antonio would not be the city we are today in many aspects if it were not for the Alamo Dome. It was a tremendous investment for the city. And uh, certainly, like any venue, you need to have a facelift every once in a while, etc. But when you look at all the different things that have happened in the Alamo Dome and what it's brought to this city and how many people have come here from out of town and brought and uh, added to our economy, it's really uh, paid off for itself in, in spades. Look, San Antonio would not be the city that it is if we were still relying on a 20,000 seat outdoor WPA stadium as our largest. We would have had to build something and I'm glad it was the dome at the time it was. 49% uh, of the people of San Antonio didn't want it, uh, but 51% did, and we live in a democracy, and that 51% won. People who wanted it wanted the city to continue its trajectory of growth and bringing new events and having a place among the major convention cities of the country and maybe having a crack at, at more sports activity. So that group won in that fight but barely. <laughs> Without question, anybody looking back, anybody that uh, would want to criticize Henry Cisneros for, for his big push to get this passed, uh, it, it, you're, it, you're, it, you're just wrong. You're wrong because the Alamo Dome, while it did not bring an NFL team, it brought so many other uh, events, uh, moments, experiences. You know, think about just the, the, the place to house 
you know, these these home and garden shows. I mean, it's these youth Baptist summer conventions that come in and fill up the dome and then fill up downtown. Downtown businesses have loved it. Downtown hotels have loved it. Uh, it's been experience after experience. Uh, the heyday of the Tejano Music Awards in, in the in the 90s when we had Emilio and we had Selena. Um, again, packed house. Think, imagine the football play side where we had George Strait perform his, uh, you know, super country cowboy night or whatever. I mean, a day long headline by the King George Strait himself. That doesn't happen, uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't happen in the Hemisphere Arena. It doesn't happen at uh, Verizon Amphitheater. It only happened in the Dome because it could house that many people for that huge of an event. But there was bad blood uh, from its creation, from its formation. But I think in my heart that even those who opposed it have to acknowledge a lot of good things happened in and for San Antonio in the intervening years. If you have ever been to the Alamo Dome, you have certain memories of good times spent with friends and family. Back in the 90s where on Channel 5, I had a segment with my daughter, her, my granddaughter's mother, Vegas Val. And where my, you know, she, my daughter would pick game. Hey, who's gonna win, you know, Cowboys or Lions? And we show our little helmets. But we would do it in different locations. It was such a, I mean, such an open time, pre 9-11. I mean, yeah, the security, but you know, hey, we're coming here with media. We're gonna, can we go, I got my three-year-old daughter. We're gonna kind of run around the dome and do this little, little segment. And they're just like, go ahead. Welcome back to Eyewitness News Saturday, folks. Welcome back. We're here. Mario Vasquez with? Vegas Val. Where are we at, Val? I mean, it was just, it, it, it became a part of San Antonio. And with me personally, there's just so many family memories locked in there. Uh, I've seen Elton John there, Paul McCartney, the Eagles. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I'm sure everyone watching has a memory of some kind of an event. To see, for example, the year that Baylor played in there and ran up a score that was the highest combined score by two teams uh, in any bowl game, you know, uh, and RG3 worked his magic. Over the years, the Dome has been criticized as being unattractive and lacking eye appeal. But whether you like or dislike the design, the Alamo Dome changed the landscape of our city's downtown skyline. And I'm still impressed all these years later at the massive scale and manpower needed to create this multi-purpose facility. I have heard people call it a dead armadillo with four legs up in the air. Nothing hurts my feelings anymore. I have thick skin about this. People like to call it the upside down armadillo or whatever. But just yesterday I was driving by, my, my granddaughter had been out of town for two weeks, picked her up. I had to bring her to work, so we're driving downtown. First thing she saw is the tower, so she knew she's back. Then she turns to her right and says, Alamo Dome. She's four and a half, but she knows what it looks like, just like everybody else in San Antonio, as once it became a part of the skyline, became part of the feel, and uh, became part of the history. 30 years, man, it's a special place. Three decades have passed, and San Antonio still does not have an NFL team. We had hoped that having a new dome stadium that would seat 65,000 plus would attract a team to move to San Antonio or possibly get a team via an expansion of the league. But at this point in time, we are still waiting. 
when they broke ground on the dome some 30 plus years ago, Red McComb said that San Antonio would be first on the list of a future NFL expansion. It was just never in the cards for us to have a pro football team these last 30 years. Uh, Red uh, was a person who understood one major way for San Antonio to rise in the national profile would be Major League Sports. We took a whack at Major League Football uh, and uh, had a run with uh, the New Orleans Saints, had a run with the Oakland Raiders, uh, had a run with the Vikings in the sense that Red McCombs owned the Vikings. But I don't regard the, the Dome as a failure because we don't have Major League Football. The Final Four has been a repeat visitor there. Thank, I mean, we wouldn't have that without the Dome. Um, the Dome is definitely, it, it didn't do what we wanted, right? And this is before I came to town, but it didn't bring that NFL team. I mean, we should have an NFL team instead of Charlotte or Jacksonville. We should, but they expansion went to Charlotte and Jacksonville. So the Dome didn't bring a football team in, but man, it brought, Tons of memories, tons of moments. By the time San Antonio does get an NFL team, you can be sure that the league would want us to build a brand new state-of-the-art stadium. And then the questions would begin once again. How do we finance it? Where do we place it? And rest assured, it will cost much more than $100 million to build a new facility. But those are questions that will hopefully one day have an answer. Each of my guests on this podcast have a special memory of the Alamo Dome. For several years, I've done the, the world's largest safety patrol rally. where We have three to 4,000 kids, grade school kids, all come and they are, it's amazing, because it's like, for them, it's like going to another country to walk into that Alamo Dome. They, we were able to air a, uh, an interview that I got with Selena at the Alamo Dome. That interview happened 10 days prior, 10, or 10 to 12 days prior on a Saturday in 1995. Selena appeared at the NBA the Spurs NBA All-Star Stay in School Jam. So behind the, the, the blue curtain was where buses would pull in. Come in to you know, drop people off next to the curtain. Abraham Quintanilla driving the Selena bus has the bus waiting when she walks off stage or walks off from the, from the floor. We're waiting with the camera crew. And hey, Selena, can we get a quick interview? Uh, just, you know, just one minute. And she, she goes, yeah, yeah, we got time. Abraham is at the bus. Selena, we don't got time, let's go. She goes, I got time, Dad, we got time. Selena, one, two, three questions and done. I turn to the photographer and I say, you got it? And he says, well, I got most of the first question, because but my battery died. And I'm like, what? And, I'm, and it's a word, you got another battery on you? And he goes, it's in the car. Which means, again, he's at the curtain. He has to go the length of it, go outside, get to his car and go get a battery. And I thought, oh, well, you know, she's got to go. Selena turns to us both and says, I can wait. And so the photographer, Eric Balades, he busts ass to go get his battery, running, sprinting. Abraham is like, Selena, baby, wait, dad, wait, we're gonna do this. And so what you see on that YouTube tape, YouTube broadcast of Kansas of the night, because again, once she passed away, we'd already aired it two weeks ago. But we, I called the desk and say, hey, we have this interview with Selena. It turns out it was the last, you know, last interview Selena did. It was her last time in San Antonio. Um, 
and, and we got it and we got it and it only happened because Selena had a kind heart to stay and do it twice and it happened in the Alamo Dome. But to answer your question, is there any moment when I sat there and said, <clears throat> I never imagined I'd see this. The recent baseball game, which I attended, was one of those. We didn't even consider the possibility of baseball because it requires a configuration that would have then rendered it impossible for other sports and other events. But people were creative and managed to carve out a way that we could put a baseball game in there. I went to the game and it felt like Major League Baseball. Those early years when the Dome opened, you would see it everywhere from commercials to local news intros. Ready for this? A brand new season of Spurs basketball in the Alamo Dome. The Spurs are number one and a knockout. Catch 45 nights of high-flying NBA hoops Spurs style. The sold-out Alamo Dome in San Antonio for the resumption of the battle between these two Texas Titans. The winner is one step closer to the championship round in the NBA. We are making history because this is the first ever television broadcast of an event from the Alamo Dome broadcast booth. The hype, the hoopla, the heroes, and all the cheers we're gonna be hearing tonight. And who could forget the time when there was a delay in a Spurs game due to a water cannon going off inside the dome. It was kicked off by the fireworks before the Warriors and San Antonio Spurs game. This delayed the start of the game as people got wiped out, brought the umbrellas out, and retreated from their seats at the Alamo Dome. For this podcast, I reached out to the staff at the Alamo Dome, and we had an interview set up for March, but they had to reschedule. We set up another interview for late April and once again they cancelled. So unfortunately I have no one from the Alamo Dome staff to talk to me for this podcast. 25 years from today the Alamo Dome Bob won't be so sparkling and brand new but the memories of opening day will still be very bright for all of us. That's because in 25 years they'll open up the time capsule. As for that time capsule, someone from the staff at the Alamo Dome told me that they're not quite sure where the capsule is buried. Apparently, at one point it was dug up and buried in a different spot, and now no one seems to know where it is located. <laughs> now, if that isn't a San Antonio stud, that's totally like, hey, do you remember where you put the time capsule, man? It's like uh, sometimes when you come home after a good night at Fiesta, and I don't know where, where I'll place uh, my, my I, I wear glasses, I'll put them, you know, I'll, my prescriptions, I'll place them somewhere where, I'm going to remember where I put them and you know, I hit them too well type of thing. Uh, I guess that seems to be somebody who moved it, forgot to tell everybody else that he moved it. And so now we're, we're never going to, that's kind of bizarre. That's bizarre, but that sounds like 210. I have no idea of where the time capsule might be. All I know is we've uh, had 30 years of good use and it has enabled us to play along with the other major cities in the country. Uh, when when uh, Christmas time and New Year's rolls around and the Alamo Dome is here and people come from uh, Los Angeles because US, UCLA is playing and, and Texas because the University of Texas is playing um, and the Riverwalk is completely full and every hotel is full in a time of the year when they wouldn't be and people are out joyously on the streets. Uh, I don't need a time capsule to tell me it's been a good run.
30 years are in the books for the Alamo Dome, and here's to many more great events and memories for the next 20 years as we head towards the 50th anniversary. I'm Christopher Palmer, and thanks for watching The Timeline. We'll see you next time.